0: Hello again. It's time for chapter 7 of The Trumpet of the Swan by E.B. White. Chapter 7, School Days. A few days after the swans arrived at their winter home on the Red Rocks Lakes, Louis had an idea. He decided that since he was unable to use his voice, he should learn to read and write. If I'm defective in what if I'm defective in one respect, he said to himself, I should try to develop myself along other lines. I will learn to read and write. Then I will hang a small slate around my neck and carry a chalk pencil. In that way, I will be able to communicate with anybody who can read. <clears throat> Lewis liked company, and he already had many friends on the lakes. The place was a refuge for water birds, swans, geese, ducks, and other waterfowl. They lived, they lived there because it was a safe place and because the water stayed warm even in the coldest winter weather. Lewis was, had, was greatly admired for his ability as a swimmer. He liked to compete with the other signets to see who could swim underwater the greatest distance and stay down the longest. When Lewis had fully made up his mind about learning to read and write, he decided to visit Sam Beaver and get help from him. Perhaps, thought Lewis, Sam will let me go to school with him, and, and the teacher will show me how to write. The idea excited him. He wondered whether a young swan would be accepted in a classroom with, of children. He wondered whether it was hard to, to learn to read. Most of all, he wondered whether he could find Sam. Montana was a big state, and he wasn't even sure Sam lived in Montana. But he hoped he did. Next morning, when his parents were not looking, Lewis took off into the air. He flew north, east. When he came to the Yellowstone River, he followed it. followed it to the sweet grass country when he saw a town beneath him he headed to the schoolhouse and waited for the boys and girls to be let out lewis looked at every boy hoping to see sam but sam wasn't there wrong town wrong school thought lewis i'll try again he flew off found another town located the school but all the boys and girls had gone home for the day i'll just have to look around anyway thought lewis he didn't dare walk down the main street for fear somebody would shoot him instead, he took to the air, took to the air, and circled around, flying low and looking carefully at every boy in sight. After about ten minutes, he saw a ranch house where a boy was splitting wood near the kitchen door. The boy had black hair. Lewis glided down. "I'm lucky," he thought it's Sam When Sam saw the swan, he laid down his axe and stood perfectly still. Lewis walked up timidly then reached down and untied Sam's shoelace. "'Hello,' said Sam in a friendly voice. Lewis tried to say coho, but not a sound came from his throat. "'I know you,' said Sam. "'You're the one who never said anything and used to pull my sho- my shoelaces.' Lewis nodded. "'I'm glad to see you,' said, said Sam. "'What can I do for you?' Lewis just stared straight ahead. "'Are you hungry?' asked Sam. Lewis shook his head. "'Thirsty?' Lewis shook his head. Do you want to stay overnight with us here at the ranch? asked Sam. Louis nodded his head and jumped up and down. Okay, said Sam. We have plenty of room. It's just a question of getting my father's permission. Sam picked up his axe, laid a stick of wood on the chopping block, and split the stick neatly down the middle. He looked at Louis. There's something wrong with your voice, isn't there? he asked. Louis nodded, pumping his neck up and down hard. He knew Sam was his friend, although he didn't know that Sam had once saved his mother's life. In a few minutes, Mr. Beaver rode into the yard on a cow pony. He got off and tied his pony to a rail. "'What have you got there?' he asked Sam. "'It's a young trumpeter swan,' said Sam. "'He's only a few months old. Will you let me keep him a while?' "'Well,' said Mr. Beaver, "'I think it's against the law to hold one of these wild birds in captivity, "'but I'll phone the game warden and see what he says.' If he says yes, you can keep him. Tell the warden the swan has something the matter with him, called called Sam, as his father started toward the house. What's wrong with him? asked his father. He has a speech problem, replied Sam. Something's wrong with his throat. What are you talking about? Who ever heard of a swan with a speech problem? Well, said Sam, this is a trumpeter swan that can't trumpet. He is defective. He can't make a sound. Mr. Beaver looked at his son and as though he didn't know whether to believe him or not Buddy went into the house in a few minutes he came back the warden says you can keep the young swan here for a while if you can help him but sooner or later the bird will have to go back to the red rock Rock lakes where he belongs the warden said he wouldn't let just anybody have a young swan but he'd let you have one because you understand about birds and he trusts you that's quite a compliment son mr beaver looked pleased and Sam looked happy. Louis looked greatly; was greatly relieved. After a while, everyone went into the into supper in the kitchen in the ranch house. Mrs. Beaver allowed Louis to stand beside Sam's chair. They fed him some corn and some oats, which tasted good. When Sam was ready for bed, he wanted Louis to sleep in his room with him, but Mrs. Beaver said no. He'll mess up the room. He's no canary. He's enormous. Put that bird out in the barn. He can sleep in one of the empty stalls. The horses won't mind. Next morning, Sam took Lewis to school with him. Sam rode his pony, and Lewis flew along. At the schoolhouse, the other children were amazed to see this great bird, his long neck, bright eyes, and big feet. Sam introduced him to the teacher of the first grade, Mrs. Hammerbotham, who was short and fat. Sam explained that Lewis wanted to read and write because he was unable to make any sound with his throat. Mrs. Hammerbotham stared at Lewis. Then she shook her head. "'No birds,' she said. "'I've got enough trouble.' Sam looked disappointed. "'Please, Mrs. Hammerbotham,' she said, "'please let him stand in your class and learn to read and write.' "'Why does a bird need to read and write?' replied the teacher. "'Only people need to communicate with one another.' "'That's not quite true, Mrs. Hammerbotham,' said Sam. "'If you'll excuse me for saying so, "'I've watched birds and animals a great deal.' All birds and animals talk to one another. They really have to in order to get along. Mothers have to talk to their young. Males have to talk to females, particularly in the spring of the year when they are in love. In love, said Mrs. Hammerbotham, who seemed to perk up at this suggestion. What do you know about love? Sam blushed. What kind of bird is he? She asked. He's a young trumpeter swan, said Sam. Right now he's sort of dirty gray color. "'but in another year, he'll have be the most beautiful thing you ever saw. "'Pure white, with black bill and black feet. "'He is, was hatched last spring in Canada, and now lives in the Red Rock Lakes, "'but he can't say coho the way the other swans can, "'and this puts him at a terrible disadvantage.' "'Why?' asked the teacher. "'Because it does,' said Sam. "'If you wanted to say coho, and couldn't make a single solitary sound, "'wouldn't you feel worried?' "'I don't want to say coho,' replied the teacher.' I don't even know what it means. Anyway, this is all just foolishness, Sam. What makes you think a bird can learn to read and write? It's impossible. Give him a chance, pleaded Sam. He is well behaved, he's bright, and he's got this very serious speech defect. What's his name? I don't know, replied Sam. Well, said Mrs. Palmerbotham, if he's coming into my class, he's got to have a name. Maybe we can find out what it is. He looked at the bird. She looked at the bird. Is your name Joe? Lewis shook his head. Jonathan? Lewis shook his head. Donald? Lewis shook his head again. Is your name Lewis? asked Mrs. Hammerbotham. Lewis nodded his head very hard and jumped up and down and flapped his wings. Great Caesar's ghost! cried the teacher. Look at those wings! Well, his name is Lewis, that's for sure. All right, Lewis, you may join the class. Stand right there by the blackboard and don't mess up the room either. If you need to go outdoors for any reason, raise one wing. Lewis nodded. The first graders cheered. They liked the looks of the new pupil and were eager to see what he could do. Quiet, children, said Mrs. Hammerbotherm uh, sternly. We'll begin with the letter A. She picked up a, nice, a piece of chalk and made a big A on the blackboard. Now you try it, Lewis. Lewis grabbed a piece of chalk in his bill and drew a perfect A right under the one the teacher had drawn. "'You see?' said Sam. "'He's an unusual bird.' "'Well,' said Mrs. Hammerbotham, "'A is easy. "'I'll give him something harder.' "'She wrote cat on the, on the board. "'Let's see you write cat, Lewis.' "'Lewis wrote cat.' "'Well, cat is easy, too,' muttered the, teasy, the teacher. "'Cat is easy because it is short. "'Can you think of a word that is longer than cat?' "'Catastrophe!' said Charlie Nelson, "'who sat in the first row.' Good," said Mrs. Hammerbotham. "That is a good hard word, but does anyone know what it means? What is a catastrophe? An earthquake," said one of the girls. "Correct," replied the teacher. "What else? War is a catastrophe," said Charlie Nelson. "Correct," replied Mrs. Hammerbotham. "What else is?" A very small red-headed girl named Jeanie raised her hand. "Yes, Jeanie, what is a catastrophe?" In a very small high voice, Jeanie said. When you get ready to go on a picnic with your father and your mother and you make peanut butter sandwiches and jelly rolls and put them in a thermos with bananas and apple and some raisin cookies and paper napkins and a, some bottles of pop and a few hard-boiled eggs and then you put the thermos in your car and then just as you're starting out, it starts rain and your parents say there's no point in having a picnic in the rain. That's a catastrophe. Very good, Jeanie," said Mrs. It isn't as bad as an earthquake, and it isn't bad, as bad as war, but when a picnic gets called on account of a rain, it is a catastrophe for a child, I guess. Anyway, catastrophe is a good word. No bird can write that word, I'll bet. If uh, if I can teach a bird to write catastrophe, it'll be big news all over Sweetgrass County, Country. I'll get my picture in Life Magazine. I'll be famous. Thinking of all these things, she stepped to the blackboard and wrote, Catastrophe. Okay, Lewis, let's see you write that. Lewis picked up a fresh piece of chalk in his bill. He was scared. He took a good look at the word. A long word, he thought, is really no harder than a short one. I'll just copy one letter at a time, and pretty soon it will be finished. You see, besides, my life is a catastrophe. It's a catastrophe to be without a voice. Then he wrote... Then he began writing, C-A-T-A-S-T-R-O-P-H-E, he wrote, making each letter very neatly. When he got to the last letter, the pupils clapped and stamped their feet and banged on their desks, and one boy made, quickly made a paper airplane and zoomed it into the air. Mrs. Hammerbotham tapped for order. "'Very good, Louis,' she said. "'Sam, it's time for time you went to your own classroom.' "'You shouldn't be in my room. Go join the fifth grade. "'I'll take care of your friend, the swan.' "'Back in his own room, Sam sat down at his desk, "'feeling very happy about the way things had turned out. "'The fifth graders were having a lesson in arithmetic, "'and their teacher, Mrs. Annie Snug, greeted Sam with a question. "'Mrs. Snug was young and pretty. "'Sam, if a man can walk three miles an hour in one hour, "'how many miles can he walk in four hours?' It would depend on how tired he got after the first hour," replied Sam. The other pupils roared. Miss Snug, Snug rapped for order. "Sam is quite right," she said. "I never looked at the problem quite that way before. I always supposed that man. I always supposed that man could walk twelve miles for four hours, but Sam may be right. That man may not feel." Quite as uh, may not feel so spunky after the first hour. He may drag his feet. He may slow up. Albert Bigelow raised his hand. My father knew a man who tried to, to walk for 12 day, twelve miles, and he died of heart failure, said Albert. Goodness, said the teacher. I suppose that could happen, too. Anything could happen in four hours, said Sam. A man not, might develop a blister on his heel, or he might find some berries growing on along the road and stop to pick them up. That would slow him up, even if he wasn't tired or didn't have a blister. It would indeed, agreed the teacher. Well, children, I think we've all learned a great deal about arithmetic this morning, thanks to Sam Beaver. And now here is a problem for one of the girls in the room. If you are feeding a baby from a bottle, and you give the baby eight ounces of milk in one feeding, how many ounces of milk would the baby drink in two feedings? Linda Staples raised her hand. About fifteen ounces, she, she said. Why is that? asked Mrs. Snug. Why wouldn't the baby drink 16 ounces? Because he spills a little each time, said Linda. It runs out the corners of his mouth and gets in his mother's apron. By this time, the class was howling so loudly, the arithmetic lesson had to be abandoned. But everyone had learned how c- careful you have to be when dealing with figures. The end of chapter seven. Talk to you next time. Hello again, The Trumpet of the Swan by E.B. White Chapter 8 Love When Lewis's father and mother discovered that Lewis was missing, they felt awful. No other young swan had disappeared from the lakes, only Lewis. The question now arises, said the cob to his wife, whether or not I should go and look for our son. I am disinclined to leave these attractive lakes now in the fall of the year with winter coming on. I have in fact been looking forward to this time of serenity and peace and society of the other uh, waterfowl. I like the life here. There's another little matter of to consider besides your personal comfort, said his wife. Has it occurred to you that we have no idea which direction Louis left when he left? Louis went when he left. "'You don't know where he went any more than I do. "'If you were to start looking for him, "'which way would you fly?' "'Well,' replied the Cob, "'in the last analysis, I believe I would go south.' "'What do you mean, in the last analysis?' "'said the swan impatiently. "'You haven't analyzed anything. "'Why do you say, in the last analysis? "'And why do you pick south?' as the way to go looking for Lewis. There are other directions. There's north and east and west. There's northwest, east, southwest, southeast, north, east, west. That's true, replied the Cobb. And there are all those in between directions, north, northeast, east, southeast, west, southeast. There's north by east and east by north. There's southeast south southeast, and half-east, "'and there's west by north and half-north. "'The directions of a young swan could go off in "'are almost too numerous to think about.' "'So it was decided that no search would be made. "'We'll just wait here and see what happens,' said the cob. "'I feel sure Lewis will return in the fullness of time.' "'Months went by.' Winter came to the Red Rock Lakes. The nights were long and dark and cold. The days were short and bright and cold. Sometimes the wind blew, but the swans and geese and ducks were safe and happy. The warm springs that fed the lakes kept the ice from covering them. There were always open places. There was plenty of food. Sometimes a man would arrive with a bag of grain and spread the grain where the birds could get it spring followed winter summer followed spring a year went by and it was springtime again still no sign of lewis then one morning when lewis's grown-up brothers were playing a game of water polo one of them looked up and saw a swan approaching the sky ho!" cried the signet he rushed to his father and mother look 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 all the waterfowl on the lake turned and gazed up at the approaching swan the swan circled the sky "'It's Lewis!' cried this ho- the cob. What, "'But what is that peculiar little object hanging around his neck by a string? "'What is that?' "'Wait and see,' it said his wife. "'Maybe it is a gift.' "'Lewis looked down from the sky and spotted what looked like his family. "'When he was sure, he glided down and skidded to a stop. "'His mother rushed up and embraced him. "'His father arched his neck gracefully and raised his wings in greeting. "'Everyone shouted, "'Co-ho! "'And welcome back, Lewis!' His family was overjoyed. He had been gone for a year and a half, almost 18 months. He looked older and handsomer. His feathers were pure white now instead of a dirty gray. Hanging by a cord around his neck was a small slate. Attached to the slate by a piece of string was a white chalk pencil. When the family greetings were over, Louis seized the chalk by his bill and wrote, Hi there, on the slate. He held the slate out eagerly for all to see. The cobs stared at it. The mother swan stared at it. The cygnets stared at it. They just stared and stared. Words on a slate meant nothing to them. They couldn't read. None of the members of his family had ever seen a slate before, nor a piece of chalk. Lewis's attempt to greet his family was a failure. He felt as though he had wasted a year and a half by going to school and learning to write. He felt keenly disappointed, and of course he was un- unable to speak. The words on the slate were all he could offer by way of a greeting finally his father the cob spoke up louis my son he began in his deep resonant voice this is the day we have long awaited the day of your return to our sanctuary in the red rock lakes no one can imagine the extent of our joy or the depth of our emotion at seeing you again you who have been absent from our midst for so long in lands we know not of in pursuits we can only guess at how good it is to see your countenance again we hope you have enjoyed good health during your long absence in the lands we know not of in pursuits we can only guess at you've said that already once already said his wife you were repeating yourself "'Lewis must be tired from his trip, no matter where he's been or what he's been up to.' "'Very true,' said the cob. "'But I must prolong my welcome, welcoming remarks a bit longer, "'for my curiosity is aroused by that little odd, little odd little object Lewis is wearing around his neck, "'and by the strange symbols he has placed upon it by rubbing that white thing up and down "'and leaving those strange white tracings.' Well, said Lewis's mother, we're all interested in it naturally, but Lewis can't explain it because he's defective and can't talk, so we'll just have to forget our curiosity for the moment and let Lewis take a bath and have a dinner. Everyone agreed this was a good idea. Lewis swam to the shore, placed his slate and chalk pencil under a bush, and took a bath. When he was through, he dipped the, the end of wing, one wing on the, in the water and sorrowfully rubbed out the words, "'Hi there!' Then he hung the slate around his neck again. It felt good to be home with his family, and his family had increased during the months he had spent away, or spent with Sam Beaver at school. There were now six new signets. Louis's father and mother had spent the summer on a trip to Canada, and while there they had nested and hatched six little signets. and in the fall they had all joined up again at the Red Rock Lakes in Montana. One day, soon after Louis's... Return. The grain man stopped by with a sack of grain. Lewis saw him and swam over. When the man spread the grain on the ground to feed the birds, Lewis took off his slate and wrote, Thank you very much. He held the slate up to the man who appeared surprised. Say, said the man, you're quite a bird. Where did you learn to write? Lewis erased the slate and wrote, At school. School, said the grain man. What school? Public school, wrote Lewis. Mrs. Hammerbotham taught me. Never heard of her, said the grain man, but she must be a darn good teacher. She is, wrote Lewis. He was overjoyed to be carrying on a conversation with a stranger. He realized that even the slate, even though the slate was no help for other birds, it was going to be a, a help with people, because people could read. This made him feel a whole lot better. Sam Beaver had given Lewis the slate as a goodbye present when he left the ranch. Sam had bought the slate and the chalk pencil with money he had saved. Lewis decided he would always carry them with him, no matter where he went in the world. The grain man wondered whether he had been dreaming or what he had really whether what he had really seen, um, if he had really seen a swan write words on a slate. He decided to say nothing more about it to anyone, for fear. People might think he was crazy in the head. For birds, spring is the time to find a mate. The warm, sweet airs of spring stirred strange feelings in young swans. The males begin to notice the females. They show off in front of them. The females begin to notice the males, too, but they pretend they are not noticing anything at all. They act very coy. Lewis felt queer one so queer one day, he knew he must be in love, and he knew which bird he was in love with. Whenever he swam past her, he could feel his heart beat faster, and his mind was full of of love and desire he thought he had never seen such a beautiful young female swan she was a trifle smaller than the others and she seemed to have a more graceful neck and more attractive ways than any of his other friends on the lake her name was serena He wished he could do something to attract her attention. He wanted her for his mate, but was unable to tell her so because he couldn't make a sound. He swam in circles around her and pumped his neck up and down and made a great show of diving and staying down to prove he could hold his breath longer than any other bird. But the little female paid no attention to Louis's antics. She pretended he did not exist. When Lewis's mother found out that Lewis was a courting a young female, she hid behind some bulrushes and watched what was going on. She could tell that he was in love by the way he acted, and she saw that he was having no success. Once in desperation, Lewis swam up to Serena, his beloved, and made a bow-, bow. His slate, as usual, was around his neck. Taking the chalk pencil in his mouth, he wrote, I love you, on the slate, and showed it to her. She stared at it for a moment, then swam away. She didn't know how to read, and... "'although she rather liked the looks of the young cob "'who had something hanging around his neck, "'she couldn't really get interested in a bird "'who was unable to say anything. "'A trumpeter swan that couldn't trumpet "'was a bust as far as she was concerned. "'When Lewis's mother saw this, "'she went to her husband, the cob. "'I have news for you,' she said. "'Your son Lewis is in love, "'and the swan of his choice, "'the female of his desiring, "'pays no attention to him. "'It's just as I predicted.' Lewis won't be able to get a mate because he has no voice. That snippety little female he's chasing after gives me a pain in the neck, the way she acts. But just the same, I'm sorry for Lewis. He thinks she's the greatest thing on the lake, and he can't say, Coho, I love you, and that's what she's waiting to hear. Why, this is terrible news, said the cob. News of the most serious import. I know what it's like to be in love. Well, do I remember, well, do I remember the painful love, how painful love can be? How exciting and in the event of unsuccess, how disappointing and doleful the days and nights. But I am Lewis's father, and I'm not, I'm not going to take this situation lying down. I must, I shall act. Lewis is a trumpeter swan, noblest of all the waterfowl. He is gay, cheerful, strong, powerful, lusty, good, b- brave handsome reliable trustworthy a great flyer a tremendous swimmer fearless patient loyal true ambitious desirous. just a minute said his wife you don't need to tell me all those things the point is what are you going to do to help lewis ha- get himself a mate i'm leading up to that in my own graceful way replied the cob you say that this young female wants to hear lewis say coho i love you that's right "'Then she shall hear it!' exclaimed the cob. "'There are devices made by men, "'horns, trumpets, musical instruments of all sorts. "'Those devices are capable of producing sounds similar "'to the wild sound of our trumpeting. "'I shall begin a search for such a device, "'and if I have to go to the ends of the earth "'to find a trumpet for our young son, "'I shall find it at last and bring it home to Lewis.' "'Well, if I may make a suggestion,' said his wife, "'don't go to the ends of the earth. "'Go to Billings, Montana. "'It's nearer.' "'Very well.' "'I will try Billings. "'I shall look for a trumpet for in Billings. "'And now, without further ado, I go. "'There is no time to lose. "'Springtime doesn't last forever. "'Love is fleeting. "'Every minute counts. "'I am leaving this instance for Bin- Billings, Montana, "'a great city teeming with life "'and with objects made by man. "'Good-bye, my love. "'I shall return.' "'What are you going to use for money?' "'asked his practical wife. "'Trumpets cost money. "'Leave that to me.' replied the cob and with that he took off into the air he climbed steeply like a jet plane then leveled off flying high and fast toward the northeast his wife watching watched him until he was out of sight what a swan she murmured i just hope he knows what he's doing the end of chapter eight see you next time